Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. It's wrapped up like it's auditioning for the role of the mummy. And he's like, well, whatever else is the thing. Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It's the 24th of February in the year of our Lord 2000. Oasis, go let it out. The uh, the only song Noel likes after claiming we never should have made Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. <laughs> the song uh, written all about a cat stood next to a patio door. Off. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a strong start. That's number one in the charts in the UK. <laughs> Toy Story 2 is still number one in the charts in the box office and the number two reason why people have been tweeting at me in frustration this last week. I probably should have chose my words more carefully. Toy Story 1 is a five-star film. Toy Story 3 is a five-star film. Toy Story 2 is a solid three-star film. It would have been five so, if it was in the Tokyo Dome. I'm just saying. <laughs> So we haven't even started the wrestling yet. <laughs> I've had a beer, mate. I'm lively. Oh. <laughs> SNK Gals Fighters is the big release for video games this week, showing it was indeed a slow week. Uh, and the Guardian reports that Australian soap Home and Away will move from ITV to Channel 5 after Lata paid £40 million for the broadcast rights. And... I am old enough to remember when Home and Away was on ITV, so this was earth-shattering news. You did the same as I did. You'd have your tea, you'd watch Neighbours on BBC One, and then as soon as that finished, click over to ITV for Home and Away. Yeah. And it's funny talking to Australians, because I'm like, wow, is that really big over there? And they're like, no. (laughs) We're very confused as to why it's so big over there with you. (laughs) I'm like, oh. Like, that's that's not our... The Sopranos or Breaking Bad, right? And the Italian motorcycle manufacturing company Apria wins a lawsuit filed against the Spice Girls over a sponsorship deal that fell apart when Jerry Halliwell left the group. Ooh. Rather like the Radicals leaving WCW. Oh, nice. That would be the best WCW thing, wouldn't it? Damn it, we were just about to get the WCW NASCAR settled out. We've got the revolution here. We've got... Benoit on the front, we've got Guerrero on the wheels, and uh, Shane Douglas on the back. Well, he could stay. <laughs> John, anyway, at this point, so I would that. say do the radicals as the Spice Girls, but we're very aware that one radical is uh, <laughs> has quite quite a lot of scrutiny to his name, rightly so. So it's probably best that we just 
we, we acknowledge that it was an idea in my head and we move along with our day. <laughs> Scary Benoit. <laughs> but that is just what's happening in the world of boredom. In the world of wrestling, there was a little show named WWF Smackdown on UPN, a.k.a. the network that gave us Shasta McNasty yes. and The Rock on Star Trek Voyager. What happened on the show? Where's it, Gannon? And how have they built towards No Way Out 2000? I don't know, but I know a man who does cultaholics cheaper, little equivalent to Doc Hendricks himself, Mr. Tom Campbell. How you doing, Bob? <laughs> I like to consider myself a B-Tech Ross Tweddle. How the devil are you, <laughs> Matthew Gregg? I'm lovely. It's a lovely day here. It's not, in fact, it's pissed it down outside, but it, that means it's a lovely day for podcasting. For oh, it's a beautiful day for podcasting. I don't know whether it's been the same for you. It's been warm, isn't it? Yes. And where we live, I feel like we are getting the heat from uh, from apartments and, and and accommodations around us because we have no we haven't had the heating on or anything for the last few days and we are just boiling in this house the the dilemma that we have is that we have a juliet veranda and we also have a stupid cat and uh every time like on two occasions where we've opened the juliet veranda out there's these little gaps either side of the of the veranda where you know it's just as a, as a, as an architectural design type thing, and every time Pablo has walked up to the veranda, had a little sniff around, and then gone, "Oh, what's through this gap?" and nearly died. So oh, we've kind of had to come to the agreement that maybe we just don't open the veranda doors when Pablo's <laughs> around because he he would quite happily do a do a Mick Foley Hell in a Cell type moment. He's tried twice. And I've had to save him last minute on both occasions. Oh, I know, I know. It would be a right cramp on our day if we have to peel Pablo off the floor. So hoping it doesn't come to that. He just hasn't quite grasped that the gaps around the, the veranda on the balcony aren't for walking through. <laughs> he hasn't quite grasped it. And I don't know whether he ever will. Well, I think he might have to find out the hard way and I don't really want him to find out the oh. hard way. Oh, well, maybe stop playing Toy Story 2 and the cat won't be having these thoughts. <laughs> Leave off Toy Story 2. I know. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, I was like, like an angry tweet. <laughs> Have you really been getting hate for it? Well, two people going, what, why, do you, why do you hate Toy Story 2? And I mean, <laughs> look, here's a story. One time, me and my friend, oh, this is when I'm Here's the Toy Story. Ago. Uh, nice. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> My mate said, like, oh, we're going to be doing a Toy Story marathon. Do you want to join in? I went, absolutely. Uh, I hope you, you know, got tissues ready. And he goes, whoa, what do you mean? He goes, well. <laughs> What's, which versions are you watching? Yeah. <laughs> Christ. He goes, because I'm, I'm going to tear up a Toy Story 3. He went, Haha. He went, no, really. And, yeah, Toy Story 1 is just an amazing film. It still holds up. I can probably watch it now and still go, God, this is good. Toy Story 2 came along, and it's like Toy Story 2, the pursuit of a franchise. And then Toy Story 3 came out, and then that, that is, I saw that in a plane for the first time. That was the first time I saw it. And I'd been told by people, watch out, no, no, whatever. And I had to hold my hand over my face because I was tearing up. Oh. You know, and then, because um, I had that moment. I mean, you either had one or you didn't as a kid when you basically have to go, oh, um, I can't be playing with toys anymore. And you have to just give them away. And it's a, it's a, it's that, that moment. But like, oh, yeah. 
My, my I, I action pursuit Batman that I haven't seen for 20 years. Yeah, does it make you suddenly feel a bit more sentience towards toys? It does. It... No, no, for Christ's sake. It's toys. Bit, it's the memory. It's the memory. It's nostalgia playing of, of realizing like, oh, it's time for me to, you know, the red basket I have and get rid of them. So anyway, we're all watching it. And uh, you know, obviously it's three films, so it's kind of long. So by the time Toy Story 3 ended, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's, turn the lights on because it got gotten dark. And me, my other mate, and my other mate were all trying to rise. <laughs> And you know what? Okay, Toy Story 1 makes me feel something. Toy Story 3 makes me tear up. Toy Story 2, it's just good. It's not bad. It's just a film. It's all right. It's better than Cars 2. So Cars 2 came and you know, lowered the, the standard considerably. So I'm not saying, toy, I'm not saying it's that bad. But anyway, what are your I thoughts on I Toy love, Story 2? I love that you've had to explain away like your hatred for Toy Story 2. And just as you, and just as you finally put it to bed, you go, yeah, then that Toy Story 2 is all right. Cars 2, though, is bollocks. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. So this week, a whole week of people going, why don't you like Cars 2, Matthew? <laughs> Dude, there's no way I'm going to get people going, Cars is cars and Cars 2 are good. There's no way. There's no way. There are the people going, hey, you leave Joey Abs alone. <laughs> we are going through at the moment, me and the good lady, and we've considered turning it into a podcast. Um, the Disney sequels. I saw you tweet about that. Uh, the, the, not the good, not Toy Story. Oh, well, I mean, what I pick up. Yeah, not the not good, the good ones. not the kayfabe ones like Rescuers Down Under, the straight to video ones. Mm-hmm. Your Return to Jafar's, your Mulan. I was going to say <laughs> Return to Jafar. I liked as a kid because my brother got it for Christmas, and I didn't even know it existed. I'm like, there's an Aladdin two. <laughs> so you watch it thinking this is great, this is great, and then you're like, oh, it's 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 not, is it? It's for a start, the animation quality dips considerably. Oh, just a um, bit. You're right. Um, what's his name? Voice of Homer Simpson replaces the, Robin basically Williams. Basically, the entire male cast of The Simpsons as as the yeah. genie. I think he, I think Dan Calisanta busts out every possible voice he can do. Uh, yeah, and replacing Robin Williams with Dan Calisanta is like having Shawn Michaels being replaced with Savio Vega at No Way Out 98, because <laughs> he's very good at Homer Simpson, but then you see him in everything else, be it Earthworm Jim or Aladdin, and realise, oh, that's the only voice he can do. Right, I see. How do you pronounce his surname again? Simpson. Thank you. Uh, we also watched... Um, but wait a minute, I'm going to say this. Aladdin 3. That's the, pretty decent. Oh, the, uh, the, the King of Thieves. I think it's King or Prince of Thieves. It's about his dad. I remember that being decent, but I don't know if it's decent by comparison to Aladdin 2 or the standard things, but I like the idea of you going and seeing the crap ones. Uh, there there's, is there's some, um, there's some diamonds there's so in the many. rough, so to speak. So what were you going to say, Tom? There's so many. Like, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a sequel to Cinderella. I believe there's three. It goes up to three with Cinderella. Like you'd have Jeez. thought, Cinderella was a was like a fate accompli. Like it was just a complete work, complete work, nothing to add to it. No, 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 no. Oh, contraire, mon frère. There is a Cinderella movie <laughs> where, and I feel like I have to go into Alvarez mode for this. <clears throat> there is a Cinderella movie where one <laughs> of the ugly sisters goes back in time. Back to, to in when? time. To stop Cinderella meeting <laughs> meeting her husband. Meeting Prince Charming. Impression. 
Prince literally Charming. goes back in time. A if you didn't hear me the first time, I'll say it a second <laughs> and third time. Prince Charming. A Cinderella movie that deals with time travel. Charming. <laughs> They're great. They're great. Spinning the background going, well, you know, Disney wanted to make money. It's the kids' fault for buying it. <laughs> they gotta make Prince money. Prince <laughs> Charming. <laughs> oh, and then there's... Uh, we will get into SmackDown. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> there is also... Um, there's nothing on at the minute now wrestling. People listen to every minute of this. There's also the Lion Guard, which if you've seen the Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, Simba has yeah. a, Simba has a, do- uh, a daughter. And then for the Lion Guard, oh, by the way, Simba also has a son, but didn't mention it at all in the Lion King 2. Well, if you were born of incest, you wouldn't want people talking about you. <laughs> Just saying. <coughs> I didn't think much of Lion King 2. People, I know people who like Lion King 2, and I've seen it. Andy Dick is in it. So <laughs> that's already a negative star going for it. I don't think it's good. But I know people who like Lion King. Is it three and a half or one and a half? One and a half. Oh, the one Lion King Timon one and a half is excellent. Uh, it's It's kind of like it's Timon and Pumbaa filling in the gaps between... Sort of like yeah. Lion King one and two, and like they're involved. That was a good idea. I loved it. That was beautifully done. Lion King two was awful. Um, Pocahontas two. Um, <laughs> you know John Smith, the love interest from Pocahontas. Yeah. He dies in the first ninety seconds of the film. <laughs> I was going to say that's that's pretty much. <laughs> and it's never oh. referenced again. The like whole... Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Exactly. Like one of the main protagonists from Pocahontas dies in the first 90 seconds and is never referenced again. So to bring it back to wrestling, like Volta at Survivor Series 2019. Yes, exactly like Volta. There you go. I'm throwing a bone to the viewers seconds. there. Right. Don't worry. There'll be a there'll be a timestamp on the podcast where the wrestling talk starts. So if you, if you want to avoid this, you can... Mess with them, that. Tom, and do it right at the start. They click it, and all you hear is Toy Story 2. Mate, by the time they've got to this point, they'll have gone, oh, is there? Let me check. It won't be there. <laughs> oh, you are naughty. I am a heel now. <laughs> anyway, Smackdown Good. from 2000. So what's happening in wrestling? <laughs> well, there is a sequel. No, no. There is. <laughs> um, okay. So in the, in the world of wrestling, so very shortly... We will throw over to my erstwhile colleague, the King of Botch, Matthew Gregg. And Matthew Hello. will talk us through uh, this week's episode of SmackDown from the year of our Lord 2000. It is the the final SmackDown before No Way Out 2000. There's a couple of noteworthy things to let you know about. In particular, uh, the sort of semi-rivalry between McMahon and Foley. But not Mick Foley. No, 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 no. Vince McMahon versus Colette Foley. Mm -hmm. This rings a bell with you already, Matthew, before we get into the rigors of it. Colette Foley, no, actually. Okay, so uh, I've taken this from from a news source. WWF honcho Vince McMahon has slammed the wife of one of his star wrestlers, comparing her appearance on 2020 to Robin Givens' famous rip on Mike Tyson. (gasps) 
<clears throat> okay, yeah, I do know what you're talking about now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Colette Foley, a former fashion model who is married to WWF star Mick Foley, told the February 3rd edition of 2020 that wrestling has ruined his health. He's a 34-year-old and he moves maybe like an 80-year-old man. It's pretty sad, Colette told 2020. In the interview, Foley says her husband's career, uh, which usually includes getting hit on the head numerous times with a steel chair, has caused him to sometimes forget how to find their house when he comes home from work. Uh, Colette says his knees are the biggest problem, but they can always be replaced or repaired. This can't, pointing at her head. Short-term memory, getting lost trying to drive home, home where he's lived for five or six years. Numbers numbers are really bad as well. Uh, this interview apparently incenses Vince McMahon. And uh, he spoke on it. He said, this is something that 2020 was trying to sensationalize uh, when discussing the interview on San Francisco's KNBR Sports Radio. Uh, Vince McMahon said, Mick Foley is embarrassed about that interview and said that his wife would never do another one. Uh, Watching it reminded you of Robin Givens and Mike Tyson doing that interview where poor Mike Tyson is sitting there and Robin Givens is talking all about him. Foley said last night he confronted McMahon after hearing what the WF boss had said. We had a nice talk as gentlemen, says Vince, about the San Francisco interview. The main concern I had was that I did not appreciate any comparison between my wife and Robin Givens, he said. She is certainly no money-hungry manipulator. Uh, McMahon said 2020 has promised the WWF a positive piece on Foley's career and impending retirement, but ended up airing a story that portrayed this pathetic individual, as Mr McMahon describes it. I have nothing but respect for Colette. Naturally, she's concerned for the welfare of her husband. I was very touched by it, but you can't wrestle with the facts. Both Mick and Colette Foley collectively participated in an interview that was both fair and balanced. This comes from 2020 now. So the the basically the gist of all of this is Colette Foley says the wrestling world has ruined her husband. Vince McMahon was upset that one of the main stars of his company right now uh, was in his mind sort of being emasculated by his wife on television. Um and uh, and he made comment on that. Foley then made comment on Vince. And uh, this is all in the run up to this Sunday where Mick Foley is set to retire in speech marks. You remember this now, don't you, Math? I remember him commenting on it uh, in his book, which one I think he commented on a bunch of them because I just read Countdown to Lockdown the other night which uh, is a quick read if you skip all the non-wrestling bits that Foley thinks are nice, but I'm sorry, Foley, I love you, but Jesus, <laughs> it's put not a side to sleep, some it? of them. <laughs> it's a bit like a Disney sequel, it's, isn't it? It's... <laughs> you know what I've done? I've actually edited, I've got like a little uh, folder of bookmarks on my uh, Chrome browser, and I've added like, it says just at the year 2000. So it's 2000 in radio, music, UK. Now I've added 2000 in home video. <laughs> so I'll know exactly when Pocahontas 2 comes out in September. You'll have that to look forward to. Yes. Quickly nice. followed by The Little Mermaid 2, The Pursuit of More Legs, I guess. <laughs> um, in regards to this, uh, I didn't remember at the time, but I remember you know, fully talking about it and being amazed at it. At the same time, I don't know what McMahon is supposed to do. Yeah, you're right. Uh, wrestling is directly responsible for your da- your husband forgetting where you live. You're right. Sorry about that, love. <laughs> of course, you have to go under the defensive and offensive about <laughs> your wife looks like Robin Gibbons. That's harsh. But 
it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, it's harsh because there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, I love Foley, but I'm like, well, he's uh, he is forgetting what he's doing. He's doing all this. Uh, Foley sometimes is incredibly naive about WWE. I guess he expects this loyalty because Vince Man's been nice to him a few times. It's it, it's almost like um, in Goodfellas, uh, the main character's like, whoa, I can't believe it. You you guys are killing people and like destroying people's lives. It's like, yeah, of course you is. He's a gangster. <laughs> so I don't know why I don't know why Foley would be aghast that McMahon would have to defend his huge empire and basically saying all these things about concussions or whatnot and he's like I can't believe she'd say something negative about him her so anyway uh, yeah pretty much I like that comparison actually that is alarmingly true on the other end of the scale for wrestling from a serious bit on 2020 to the Ready to Rumble movie oh. Yes. Wait, that's not out yet, is it? <laughs> it's not out yet, no. Uh, Ready to Rumble, which is the WCW-inspired <laughs> or funded uh, movie insipid. all about... Insipid. Uh, it is due out on the 5th of April, so not long to go, but Meltzer, in this week's Observer, has some notes regarding the Ready to Rumble movie. He says, uh, the movie... Uh, we Okay, we read a review from a fan who liked the movie a lot but felt it would be a hard sell to non-wrestling fans. That's uh, very accurate. The sound effects were said to be great. <laughs> That's a, okay, <laughs> this is where we are like, I want that to be like on the posters when this movie comes out. <laughs> the sound effects are great. David Arquette is in this movie. It's the filming of a Nitro at the Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles looked bad because in every camera angle, the arena looked small. Hey, Dave wouldn't be complaining if it was at the Dome. The climax was filmed at the Olympic. It looked like there was only about a 1,000 in attendance. They did a spot where DDP was wrestling in a three-cage setup and took a bump through all three cages. The movie made the WCW world title mean more than anything they've ever done on their own television show. As the fired and wrongfully defeated former champion, the Bret Hart role, played by Oliver Platt, risked his life to get his title back. The heel promoter, the McMahon role... Now, this is interesting because... The, the man in question talked about this on his podcast this week. The heel promoter, the McMahon role, uh, was written for Eric Bischoff. But Bischoff had been fired when this movie started being uh, being put together. So he was recast for it. But it was meant to be Eric Bischoff in this film. I've watched it only once, and I've never thought of the McMahon comparisons. Really? I mean, it's not—it's not a deep film to say the least. I mean, Jesus! I mean, about two inches of rainwater deep. But <laughs> it's supposed to be like arrested getting screwed. It's so odd. <laughs> like it's supposed to be aimed at wrestling fans, but it's blatantly been written by someone who isn't a wrestling fan or wants to make it accommodating for non-wrestling fans. So the wrestler goes to the ring, tell him it's fake. Tell it. Tell some of the promoter like, "Yeah, eat me." And so the promoter turns it into a real thing where he gets screwed. So then, oh God, my head. So then Arquette and Arquette's friend, who was in other things, would then get him, train him up to be a real fighter, to win the real matches, even though he knows it's fake, to go in, to shootingly steal the title, to then working up. Oh my God. (laughs) It it was easier to explain Westworld Season 3. Utterly ridiculous. And the only notable thing about that is because um, 
what's his name? Uh, the bloody actor who was in it. It was in The Matrix and The Sopranos and lots of other things. Uh, Joe uh, Pontigliano is in it. Yeah, him. Wow, that, yeah. That, that, that reaction from the Tom camp. <laughs> I like, he's not like, okay, he's certainly a guy, a working actor, without doubt. But Oof. obviously Arquette is he the was working for minimum wage in that film. <laughs> well, that's some... The whole film, I think it's out in April in, in our timeline. I do feel like there is a uh, there is a, a podcast regarding... I was going to say, that. should we rewatch it? I mm. think we should. I think we should. And I, and I wonder whether we, um, whether we invite Ross Tweddle in on it as well. Because Ross and I watched the main event on Netflix the other week. And oh, you poor bastard! Oh, it's 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 Keith Keith Lee's in it, isn't he? We gotta get we gotta talk about Keith. Um, okay, when we get oh. to it, we'll do something for Ready to Rumble. I think we have to, and it, it, it's a, it's off our timeline a little bit. It's off the beaten track, but we'll do something for it. I feel like it's only oh, yeah. right that we do. Uh, talking of WCW, a classic WCW title has returned this past week. Do you know what title that is? Oh, I do. Jim Duggan. Jim Duggan, the found title the TV of Jim tit- Duggan. You're an idiot. I hate you. Jim <laughs> Duggan found the TV title. Where did he find it, Matt? <laughs> he found it in a bin because the last person who got it was Scott Hall, who uh, I believe he pinned Booker T. Then there was a skit on the same episode of Nitro where him and Nash pretend to play basketball with a title and he just... <laughs> He just throws it, goes for the three-pointer, shouts Kobe, and the TV title goes in the bin. And apparently that same arena with that same bin, months later, Duggan, the caretaker, wearing that big brown overall, just goes in and goes, hey, it's the TV title. I guess I'm the TV champion. <laughs> I mean, and that's it. I admire the continuity. <laughs> The one thing that WCW no one is, is... the bins. <laughs> no one's cleaned the bins since WCW was last there. Um, but I also like the fact oh, that's that... a smell. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted it to, I wanted him to pull it out of the bin and have like banana and a copy of Razzle stuck to it. <laughs> that would have completed the look for me, in my opinion. But yeah, so the TV title is back in circulation. I was going to ask you who the champion was before it, and you have uh, correctly identified Scott Hall as well. Uh, Duggan is a champion in wrestling. He was one of those guys that never won a belt. So he's now just found one in a bin. God, you're right. He didn't win anything in the I, Actually, I tell a lie because, um, and, and this is a beautiful synchronicity with the oh. sister podcast of this one, the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Uh, the latest episode of that, which we put out on Saturday, it's Justin Henry and myself watching every episode of Raw from the beginning. We've just gone past um, September 94, and it was the week in which Jim Duggan defeated Steve Austin for the TV title in 30 seconds. Duggan was... T- oh, my God. He d- Yes. God, I forgot all about that. That was yeah. actually for a title. Yeah. Bloody hell. Who beat Duggan for that? Oh, gosh. I can't actually was remember. Was it Vader? No, not Vader. No, it was the US title, wasn't it? It may have very well been the US title. I may have got that very wrong. But either way... God, you know what? You should, you should keep on talking while I Google. Okay. So it's just quite nice how... 
the week that uh, Justin and I talked about Jim Duggan battering the, the Texas rattlesnake Stone Cold Steve Austin to win a title. Also, in our timeline this week, it's the time where he finds one in a bin. Duggan never really had many title runs. Um, recently listened to uh, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. They did a whole episode on Jim Duggan. And uh, <laughs> he put it. Uh, he, they did a whole episode on That's Jim Duggan. That's not a rib. <laughs> and it turns out that Duggan was genuinely aligned to be the guy in WWF. Like There was a point where he was going to be like a star of Hogan-esque magnitude. But a, a, a few dodgy events led to that not being the case. But uh, imagine a world where Duggan was the Hogan of the 80s. Oh. I know, right? I no. know. <laughs> and it was the US title. It was the US uh, that, title. Uh, he beat Steve Austin for, and then Vader beat him for after. There we go. I remember that now. Just a weird ah. blip. The Dean Douglas of US champions. It really it was a it was a non-title reign. Uh, staying mm. with Dub C Dub, uh, Hogan's been on the Man Cow Show again. Somebody stop this guy oh. doing PR appearances. Uh, Hogan saying his match with Lex Luger would turn the company around. He has a match coming up with Luger at this point. He says that nobody oh. under the age of 40 on the WCW roster has any credibility in wrestling. He also said that Perry Saturn uh, has never drawn a dime. And he said the reason WCW is having problems is because of the writing of Vince Russo. I'd like to remind you at this point that Hulk Hogan works for WCW. And every chance he gets in front of a live mic on a radio show, he is slating the company. Like just running it into the ground. And oh. I know people will draw comparisons like with, obviously, Colette Foley talking this week as well. But it's not like Colette is finding people with live mics on radio shows and, and, and destroying the WWF at every opportunity. I feel like this is Hogan's new hobby. Like, when some people would start part-time wrestling, they maybe take up fishing or Twitch streaming in this day and age. I feel like Hogan's hobby is going onto radio shows and running down the company. <laughs> yeah, it's classic Hogan. When things are good and on top, it's Hogan's fault. When things are going bad, it's not Hogan's fault. It's, it's Again, one of the smartest people to be in wrestling. Uh, well, I say smart. He's good at protecting Hogan. Uh, then you talk to him and realize, oh, he's insane. <laughs> yeah. And just to round this out... Um... Touching on from last week, apparently he wasn't going to go. Now it looks like he is going to go again. Uh, it looks as if Sabu is off to WCW. <laughs> so he's expected oh, to story. attempt litigation to get out of his contract with ECW and take the WCW offer after all. So last week, though, we said that it doesn't look as if he's going. Uh, and now WCW are sort of getting cold feet about him because there's been so many contractual issues between Sabu and ECW. Uh, it looks as if it might be the wheels might be turning on this again. We'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> There's nothing more to add to that. I like really. the idea. I like the idea of Sabu. I, I got my lawyer litigation. Sabu, you say that you're uh, able to leave your contract. What do you say? And he just doesn't say anything. He just points up. <laughs> just points up at a sign that says, I'm not ready to leave my contract yet. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Anyone got any somers? <laughs> anyway. So that is the that is the wrestling world as it stands. Uh, let's talk about this particular episode of SmackDown, shall we? Good. An hour and a half in this podcast. That sounds like a good idea, Tom. <laughs> on Raw, Stephen McMahon is yap, yap, yapping on the ring. 
to quote Foghorn Leghorn, boy, she's got a mouth like an outboard motor. Oh, and we get the famous moment that everyone who saw it will remember it for years, where Rock comes out to mock Triple H. I am the game. Ah, oh, this was. I'm going to talk for twenty minutes uh, and say nothing at all. Uh, sadly, Rock was off. His estimations of uh, Triple H continuously coming out every week and talking to him and saying nothing by about six months. But anyway, uh, brawling ensues. It's basically a big mix-up this week. And eventually, Cactus Jack launches a big pull thing on wheels into the DX Express as it beep, beep, beeps out the building in reverse. Mmm. Mmm. Widdy woo, widdy wee. This is their second DX Express. Do they have a I was going to say, we'll week? get on to that. We'll get under that one. That was a different one because it was red, but the one on this episode is the proper one again. But anyway, as I as I said before, and I'll say it again, widdy woo, widdy wee. <laughs> we're in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> widdy woo, widdy wee, we're in Nashville, Tennessee. To quote a famous country singer. And we're three days from No Way Out 2000. The crowd is so hot. We're going to start with Hardcore Champion Test. Yes. Oh, what better way to start a show with a guy who's not booked on the pay-per-view. <laughs> we cut backstage to the Hollies arguing as hardcore is mad. I put in brackets, no change there. And Now Crash is challenging for the hardcore title because hardcore is in his name. Of Crash course. says, yeah, well, I'm about to prove I'm more hardcore than you ever will be. And then he pushes him gently and he trips over a bag. And Crash just leaves. And Crash proves he's hardcore by wearing a WWF Attitude shirt. And crowd shows their support by shouting Elroy. And there's even a lovely sign with a picture of the Jetsons character on it in the crowd. So that's really taken off thanks to Jericho. Crash gets a bum, a bum, a bin dumped over him. And it's a real one. We're in the crowd. And I can't fathom how wrestlers can take that. It's a real bin with real rubbish. And it's not even the idea of a TV title falling out. <laughs> yeah. I'm all right with wrestlers blading their heads off. I'm all right with them diving off 30-foot ladders and landing on their pelvis. But seeing a wrestler with a just-eaten Coke getting dumped on him makes me sick. <laughs> it's nice to start strong with Tess, though. Did you notice that... Um, I don't know whether it, whether it was just me. I feel like Tony Chimmel was redubbed for the intro. Did you notice that? Because he was very quiet. Yes. And then you cut to the ring, and he's still talking, even though he stopped talking. There was a lot of overdubbing to begin, because I imagine the crowd started off hot, and then they went, uh... <laughs> and then they all went quiet. Oh, Tess. They thought they need to normalise it because yeah. the crowd is so hot and then Test has come out and everyone's gone, oh yeah, I forgot about him. It's funny how like normally I, when you when somebody becomes a champion, like that belt sort of elevates them. But for some reason, like Test becoming a champion, he's pulled that belt into the abyss with him, which is very impressive. Because I kind of went, oh, he's the hardcore champion, isn't he? I forgot. He had that one great match with Gangrel. With the powerbomb <laughs> on the piano. That was a good match, actually, where Luna got powerbombed on the piano. That was very good. Yeah, she, she powerbombed so hard that she then was never seen again. So thanks, Test. And Crash Holly is able to overcome smelling of rubbish, I guess. Do you ever get that thing where you hear, like, you even see a warm bin and you know that smell? <laughs> is that just me is it, are we finding out a little bit about your backstory here <laughs> like <laughs> ah the smell of a warm bin smells like victory <laughs> anyway, smells like home <laughs> crash of the dump 
was able to come back. <laughs> back like... of the dump. John. No. John. <laughs> Crash of the dump. I'll leave that with you. Elroy Jetson in a tip. <laughs> Surrounded by unsold copies of The Emperor's New Groove 2. <laughs> Crash uses the fire extinguisher to put out Tess's heat. But in fairness, that could be put out with his strong gust of air. <laughs> and he follows with a very nifty Frankensteiner off the apron. But his pal, Hardcore Holly, shows up the scowl from yonder. I don't know why I've typed it that way. It's a lot of scowling Crash- from Holly this week. He's, he's, he's unhappy for some reason. Uh, Crash Holly tries running up some steps, but Test batters him with a chair to the mug. And Test is confused as to how Crash didn't get a broken nose off that. Seeing as any time Test does an Irish whip, that happens to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, Test then tries he, to has a very, he has a very delicate nose, does our boy Test. Which is probably why he doesn't like wrestling nose. Crash Holly. That's right. Some boxers have a glass chin. Test has a glass nose. <laughs> Tess tries to dump Crash onto two set of chairs, but Crash avoids every attempt and vaults to the outside onto Test, with his cousin HGH Holly showing up to hit Crash with a chair. <laughs> but he ducks and he nails Test instead, so Crash pins him to win the title. Hardcore <laughs> then immediately acts like he meant to do it and congratulates his cousin in a funny bit. <laughs> and I'm sure awesome. absolutely nothing would come of this inauspicious moment and pointless title change, Tom. Oh. Ah, uh, I think I think you're right. I don't think this is the dawning of it, an era for the Hardcore Championship at all. I think this is just a standard title change. Now we can't we can't be silly buggers about this. This this is the the birth of something. For this is the birth of an era for this title that will resonate twenty years later. Think on that. Yeah. It absolutely will. Yes. I'm, I'm excited to talk all about it. Which, yes, is a different one on Raw. It is a different DX Express this week, isn't it? It is, yes. The other one was red. This one is the one they use on SmackDown. Maybe there's a SmackDown DX Express. Maybe there's a Raw one. Uh, we may never know. Uh, Stephanie and Triple H talked to DX and the Radicals or all huddled, that's hard to say, together on the bus like they're on tour. They are all crammed into that into that bus it yes, looks it uncomfortable looks like, yeah it looks like some kind of monster or one of those uh music documentaries they do about life on the road <laughs> and the lineup tonight is billy gunn getting bubba ray dudley benoit getting kane and dx getting too cool so it's strangers on a bus with everyone dealing with each of those problems that that sounds to me like it should be a Netflix series for the people that brought you comedians in cars getting coffee <laughs> strangers on buses dealing with other people's problems Big Show comes to the ring and he still doesn't understand why people are booing him he supported and liked The Rock but The Rock insulted him and called him a big jabroni <laughs> This this whole segment, this oh, stays great. with me, this does. I thought we'd missed this. I'm so glad that we haven't. There was something that Jim Ross said about the big show this week that I want to reflect on a bit later on in the show, so I won't say it now. But my God, what a whiny little bitch this man sounds like. <laughs> Why do you boo me? What's changed? The Rock called me a jabroni. <laughs> little, little whinge bag. It's so funny. It's 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 very well done. But it's an I supported and liked The Rock, and he called me a jabroni. 
That hurt Big Show's feelings. Does that make me a bad guy because I didn't take it? I'll just put here, dude, as a point. Plus, Big Show did everything Triple H told him to do, and he didn't get the rematch he was promised. Does that make him a bad guy? Oh. Also, Big Show won the Rumble. And look, guys, guys in the crowd, guys, now stop talking to each other. Guys, guys, listen. Look, I did win the Rumble. Here's the footage. And he shows it once, and you think, all right, Big Show did nothing wrong. Then he shows it again in slow motion. And then he shows it again in even slow motion. And the crowd is booing him, even though he's in the right. It's so good. I thought this was the best Big Show's looked in ages, because he's supposed to be a big, whiny bitch. But it's a, I'm not saying it's subtle, but it's not really hammered on the head until he keeps on showing. No, look, guys, guys. What I guys, this time, by, look at it. I'm impressed by the fact that the WWF have managed to take a seven-foot professional wrestler, right? A, a, a very much an imposing figure. And they have turned him into the guy at the office party you don't want to be left on your own with. Like, that's he impressive. Like, to the guy that you, you just don't want to be cornered by because they're, they're just so whiny. They've done it. <laughs> and, and if that's the kind of... If that's the kind of heel persona they were angling for with the big show, then yeah, great. You you accomplished it. But um surely surely this is a man that is capable of being more than just a whiny bitch. <laughs> but it's good because it's like, wait, big show may be justified. We can't have the people cheering for him. It's like so come on, just why? No one likes a why. Alright, you're in the right, but can you shut up about it? Yes, exactly. And you know what? It's all right, though, because he has got one fan in the building and he can get the crowd to turn on him in a positive way. Kurt Angle shows up to say how much he supports Big Show because he has integrity. And then Chris Jericho comes down to run down Kirk Angel and says, Wow, Kirk, your promo was so bad it made even the Big Show seem entertaining. <laughs> and he says, I've got, a, I've got an eye for you. I wish you would shut the hell up. And Kurt Angle suggests a tag match, but he doesn't think he can find someone with the lack of intelligence, there's the eye again, to wrestle the two of them. And I'm thinking, oh, God, it's going to be China, isn't it? <laughs> it's not. I've typed it in capital letters, so I remember to emphasize it. Oh, no, it's The Rock. Thank Christ. <laughs> and then The Rock runs down both men. And, it, and as if the, the, the raw recap with the I am the gamer wasn't good enough for them this week. Rock runs down both men, but agrees with Big Show. Big Show's feet did heat the floor first, and he did call him a jabroni. And the crowd did boo Big Show. <laughs> and The Rock has his proof why. Here's the footage. And it's The Rock doing the showstopper clothesline imitation. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, here it is from a different angle. <laughs> oh, the Rock just remembered you have a third grade education, so let's see it again. <laughs> and it cuts the Big Show, and he's fuming. <laughs> he's boiling like a kettle. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's Kane, brought to you by Milk and a big scary poster of The Rock. Also, phonefree.com and ShopZone. That's right, we're advertising that you can buy stuff from us. And here's Benoit to take on Kane with the rest of the radicals and an evil blue light that I do not remember the radicals having for very long. A blue light? Yeah, I don't remember this part. Who would think of Benoit as evil? Oh, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> oh, anyway. I, I can't remember what this says on the network. Does I, I'm guessing it just says Kane in singles action. Oh, that's a bit harsh, bringing up the fact that Tori left him. <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly what I meant. Then what you're talking about. Uh, this will be a title match uh, in four years' time. Just it would that, be, yes. Leave that there for you. Yeah. Anyway, all the vanilla midgets take out Kane <laughs> on the outside, like looking like Lilliput. <laughs> as Benoit tries a suicide dive, make your own joke, and completely fudges it. To the point where it's no-sold by the commentators and Kane. And the radicals leave out of embarrassment. <laughs> Presumably back to WCW. <laughs> Can we please come back and lose to Hogan? All is forgiven. Bloody hell, did you see that dive? <laughs> Hogan, you were right. It's a tough one because they do stick out in WWF. And it's partly a height thing. And I hate saying that because they get so much, so much of the stick leveled at the radicals is height based. A cocktail and, stick. Yeah, exactly, if you will. But it's like, it's it's hard to avoid it. It's really hard to avoid it. Like, everyone... But, like, they are four four wrestlers that could out-wrestle the majority of the roster. And, and if given the right time and the right energy, could put on compelling wrestling feuds and will in time. But they just look like... They kind of look like jabronis a little bit. Like as I Triple H's think... lack is. I don't know if I'm being too harsh. I think you are being too harsh, yeah. Tom, and that's weird coming from me to you, who mm. you, you are the beacon of positivity in Coloholic. <laughs> because as I've said, these these four have been thrust right in the middle of WrestleMania build season. Yeah. So they're just basically finding the time to do something proper with them. So I'd give them some, you know, leeway for now. Because yeah, right now the emphasis is on no way out. You are correct. You do remind me that every week and it is true. Just wait and see. Okay, okay. For four years. <laughs> anyway, the uh, Benoit starts wearing down the big red machine. Diving headbutt connects, but Kane no sells it, because he's Kane. An ugly twill to will sets up the big boot. 
or maybe the medium boot in Benoit's case, and the top rope clothesline connects. Tori arrives to slap Paul Bearer, and in the confusion, Benoit hits Paul Bearer as well, and it's a double count out. Okay, doesn't matter. Kane stalks Tori up the ramp, but here's X-Pac, who fires a flamethrower directly into Kane's face. <laughs> like, I don't know what device this was exactly, so I don't know if a flamethrower was correct, completely correct, but something lobs a shot of flame right into Kane's mask. It's very impressive looking. Even though Pokemon has told me that fire attacks should have absolutely no effect on people like Kane. <laughs> exactly. You should, if anything, it should. Little things should pop up in the corner, saying it proved ineffective. Yeah, it was very effective in this instance. He's taken to a local medical facility. I'm sure they were thrilled to have this seven foot guy with a flaming mask and everything. Uh, and it's really sad seeing Kane getting burned like that. Oh, remember that fire that you know killed his parents or whatever. That's really sad. Here's Agent Christian. <laughs> clunk, clunk, clunk. Gear change. <laughs> Doing kangaroo hopping all the way down the street. And they're teamed up with the Hardys to take on the team of Head Cheese and Saturn and Malenko. Blackman and Christian start off, as we're told, Al Snow cost them a match on Raw to Too Cool by Moonwalking. And the crowd chants Head Cheese to show their support slash hate to Steve Blackman. And Al takes on Christian for a bit as Lola again runs them down way more than necessary by saying, neither are going to be getting ahead without a gimmick that works. Bloody hell, King. <laughs> I mean, you're right, but you shouldn't say it. And it all breaks down with Jeff landing multiple dives on the Perry Sutton. Then Matt Hardy gets pushed off the top rope to the outside and accidentally landing on edge. While that's all happening in the ring, Sutton Malenko pin Jeff with a nifty drop kick into a German suplex combo. The baddies leave, leaving the long-haired pretty boys to get in each other's faces and possibly kiss. And that's going to set up the match at No Way Out. Any thoughts there, Tom? Uh, I'm excited for... Edge and Christian versus the Hardys at No Way Out. Um, I thought Malenko and Saturn as a tag team. I don't know, and, I, and I'm saying this. I've written this down. I've heard what you've said. Like they've been thrust into everything. Give it time. Let it breathe. Whenever they walk out, they just look a bit confused. <laughs> I don't know whether it's them trying to look mean. They just look confused. <laughs> like why are we here? Um, I love the finish. Malenko with the spinning heel kick into the tiger suplex was mwah, chef's kiss. Beautiful. Big fan of that. And uh, I'm ready for Edge, Christian versus the Hardys with a little bit of extra spice to it at No Way Out because we know where it'll lead eventually. Absolutely. I think Malenko always looked like that. Malenko wasn't coming to the ring going, yeah, yeah, put your hands up or anything like that. It's Saturn who should be, you know, wringing his hands more. I'll be like, yeah, ooh, I'll get you. I, I think, think if Saturn had off. more of like an a, uh, if Perry Saturn carried himself more in his WWF run with like, I feel like not like a mean streak. Maybe maybe I do mean a mean streak. Yeah. Like he he is in in the ring. He is incredible. And we t I talked about this at length about two weeks ago on this podcast. Watching Perry Saturn wrestle, I think it was Grandmaster Sexay. And like, wow, yes. he's great. Like, he's got such explosive power moves. He does stuff off the top rope. He has got this innate aggression to him that in another lifetime would have made him a Brock Lesnar type figure. Don't even at me. And I just feel like that when he comes out, he just looks a bit confused. I don't feel any aggression off him until he starts wrestling. And I feel like that's the missing piece of this 
of this puzzle, like with Brock Lesnar, away from what we all think about Brock Lesnar. Like when Brock, even when Brock walks to the ring, he walks to the ring with like the purpose of, yeah, I'm about to rip your face off. Like there's no confusion yeah. as to what his modus operandi is, what his motive is. And with Perry Saturn, I always think he just looks a bit confused. And I think that damages yeah. him somewhat. And it's one of these things where, again, it, the, the current era we're living in is nice because it's... It, in terms of um, internet, looking back at memories and everything like that, because it used to be, and it still is in certain circles, which I just don't agree with, and people going, Benoit and Satin and Malengo and Eddie should have all been at the top of WCW, and you're like, what? <laughs> it's something I don't agree with uh, at all. I've said this the last few weeks. I'm interested to hear, if people go tweet at me and it's something not to do with Toy Story 2, it should be this, because they didn't have that. They're not putting the effort in. I mean, Milenko obviously shouldn't be the top because he was he was Mr. Work Rate and he was phenomenal at it, loved it. But you're kidding yourselves if you're thinking Benoit had the the, the aura. I think that's the way we're going for it, the aura. And ditto for Saturn as well uh, to, to be that main event. Dude, because he's just walking down here. You're right, he just walks down the ring. There's not. It's just, well, I'm going to do all my talking in the ring. That's great for if you're the European champion or the US champion or whatever. But for a world champion, you do need that. Interview and uh, essence and promo ability is absolutely important in the year of our Lord 2000. Exactly. Sorry. Sorry, Benoit was never supposed to be champion in WCW. Just saying. Anyway. Because <laughs> it is weird to see people say, he should have, if only they put the title on Benoit, WCW would have been saved. You are taking the mick. No, there was there was more. It wasn't just about putting the belt on Benoit. There's, there is more to fix in WCW than that because the the problem. It's it's like <clears throat> that is the equivalent of and and we've accused WWF of doing this enough. It's like your your car, you, the engine in your car burning out, and your solution to it is to repaint the car. Hmm. Like the car is still buggered. You've just coloured it a different colour. And I think putting Benoit on top of the company doesn't immediately make it, like, competitive in the Monday Night War. It helps. It absolutely helps because you've got something different that you can market. If not Benoit, then someone else. Later in the year, WCW will put Booker T as the WCW champion. It's not going to fix the problems. There was that By that point, the rot was already well and truly in. And it was just a case of, you know... <laughs> trimming off trimming off the bits of the flower that you liked because the stems were going rotten um and but it, but it having booker t as champion was great but the, the problems were too deep but having benoit as champion would have been great but the problems are too deep you've got to fix it even even deeper than that yeah and here's the complete polar opposite as talk about personality and everything else being more important too cool head to the ring to massive <laughs> cheers yes and we get clips of them attacking the radicals with crutches on raw because they've been attacking rikishi's angle so he's got his big old bandage on it and then we get a really weird version of the dx theme to play the lads out mm. and it's got it's added more yeah and woes over it like it's not it's like a the new remix they put on the b-side of the single of the dx theme by the dx band it's I had I was like, what the hell is this? It is just oh, it's odd. It's weird. I don't like it. It's a cheeky remix of oh, the sorry, DX music. Like it's by Chris Warren. Remix. It's by Chris Warren still. Like so, this is still Chris Chris Warren of the DX band uh, adjusting the music slightly. Yeah. Um, the, there is a there is a bigger plan for the DX music that does involve 
uh, a major music star, which is coming very soon. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. The King of Rock, what? The King of Rock. Well, oh, I love that theme so yeah, much. Yeah, more on that later. Oh, Grandmaster Sexy starts off and actually gets some offense on Triple H. Whoa. I know, right? Scotty comes in for more of the same, but the worm gets cut off with the martial arts kick of X-Pac. One-legged Rikishi takes out everyone, but Triple H chock blocks his bad ankle. And after getting worked over by X-Pac, Rikishi realizes, oh, it's only X-Pac, and starts no-selling, allowing (laughs) Scotty to nail the worm on X-Pac as the crowd goes banana. My God, they're over. But Road Dog causes a distraction, so while Rikishi tries to banzai drop X-Pac, Triple H chair shots him right in the arse. And follows up with another ankle chair shot. Scotty Hardy saves Rikishi and brawls with Triple H, leaving Sex A to miss the top rope leg drop and take an X Factor for the win. And the radicals are showing to be watching this match on a TV and they try to emote, proving Kevin Nash was right. What are your thoughts, Tom, while I blow my nose again? Okay. Um, I would like to hear from a medical expert, somebody in the field of medicine, <clears throat> because. I'd like to know how wrapping gauze around a boot assists the recovery of an injured foot. (laughs) Because we had a bit of what I call a 2004 Big Show classic here that I'd forgotten because Rikishi's been injured, injured leg. Uh, from the radicals they've taped his boot <laughs> they've wrapped tape oh i get it i get the whole if a wrestler is injured they put tape around the injury to sell the fact they're injured target for the heel da, 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 da. if it's an injured arm i get it wrap the arm it's an if they've had the eye out like john moxie wearing an eye patch i get it an injured leg or an injured foot we'll just wrap white tape around his boot it serves no purpose other than to add a target for your enemies. Oh, on the two occasions that I know of where that happened, it just always made me laugh. It always just, it always uh, broke my suspension of disbelief. I was going to say you're clearly a fan of DDP in WCW. Oh. We always have the, the t- he had his ribs taped so frequently that it's one of his alternate outfits on WCW <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> Oh boy, they've included taped up ribs, DDP. <laughs> it's like Bob Orton with the cast. It's basically yes, that. Yes. The dealer with the chest protector. <laughs> All right, this segment leads us to one of the highlights of the episode. It's a very good episode, but after the break, we head backstage as Rikishi is getting his very heavily bandaged ankle looked at by a medical professional. Here's the quote Doctor, what happened? Rikishi, they smashed it. Doctor, where's the pain? <laughs> It's wrapped up like it's auditioning for the role of the mummy. Like, it's Boris Karloff on an ankle. And he's like, well, whereabouts is the pain? Will Paul Rikishi be ready for No Way Out? Oh, will he accidentally die at the hand of this doctor? <laughs> ah, who cares? Here's some titties as the Godfather and D'Lo head to the ring. And they're taking on versus, oh, some more tits. Big Boss Man and Prince Albert. As Michael Cole reminds us, their relationship is extremely unique. And for those of you listening who don't speak WWFEs, that means badly written. <laughs> we ain't got a Scooby-Doo what we're doing. We are literally yeah. making this up week by week. D'Lo Brown hits a nice drop kick, but misses a moonsault. But who cares? The cameraman zooms in on a hoe with rock-hard nipples instead. 
So while she's busy cutting glass, the match breaks down easily with Taz in his jacket and red do-rag special attire, attacks Bossman at ringside, and then pokes Albert in the eye to set up the pimp drop for the win. Now apparently, Taz put Big Boss Man the Taz mission on Raw, and Prince Albert interfered, which shows what what level Taz is at right now, plummeting down the ranks like shares in Enron. <laughs> when you talk about the level they are at right now, um, D'Lo Brown, who is now the the Godfather's live-in tag team partner, what started <laughs> as a, a fun gimmick for a Survivor Series match in '99 which is where they all dress as the Godfather. All the Godfather's teammates dress as the Godfather. And they've just gone, D'Lo, just, just keep doing that, mate. That'll be fine. It's like it's like if men on a mission carried on dressing as doink. <laughs> it's, it's basically the same thing. <clears throat> and it's a... <clears throat> it's a real down step for D'Lo, I do believe. And it's been a rough time for D'Lo Brown. Uh, rougher for other people involved with D'Lo Brown. That goes without saying. But it's been a, a, a wobbly one career-wise for him since the event, you know what, last year. Um, and I just feel a bit sad about it. I know I know why it's happening and I get it. I just feel a bit sad about it. I feel like this guy could have been so much more. And I don't think we ever really... He, he doesn't really get beyond this point ever again. Oh, you have a little faith. Just you wait until WrestleMania 2000 and one of the highlights of the show. Oh, Christ. If you love the word bitch, you'll love the the Godfather Dilo Brown at WrestleMania 2000. Oh, my days. That's still coming. Uh, and where am I? La, la, la. In the ring now with Jim Ross to interview Cactus Jack. And cameraman cuts to a sign to show how over Cactus Jack is with the crowd by highlighting a sign that says Cactus Jack is a juggalo. Uh, that's <laughs> the highest praise there is. Cactus Jack recites his accomplishments he's gotten throughout his career, the WF titles, the hardcore titles, the tag team titles, but admits his latest performances have lacked luster. And even though the rock and sock made people laugh, Cactus Jack is not here to make people laugh. He talks about the thriller from Manila and how good it was. And when he was finally able to watch it himself and admit, look, it's a hell of a fight. But all he saw was Joe Frazier being able, unable to answer the final round. And that is what he's seeing in himself. He doesn't want to see himself ending his career sitting on a stool. So he wanted to go all out to beat Triple H at the Rumble. He wasn't able to do that. So he wants to raise the stakes at No Way Out with the Hell in the Cell. Because you remember the last time that happened to Hell in the Cell, he got his ass kicked. But he left standing. The two greatest things he have in his life are his body and his word. And Cactus Jack Flout says he'll say on TV in front of millions that this will be his very last match as an active performer. And to everyone who cheered a 22-year-old kid who dove off the apron, thanks a lot. To the crowd that cheered him when he won the Dwarf title for the first time, thanks a lot. To everyone who bought his book, hey, thanks a lot. Mick Foley will go down swinging or he will not go down at all. What a money line. What a phenomenal promo. Let's ignore the bit where he says that that's going to be his last match. Leave him alone. He's got Robin Givens at home waiting for him. It's fine. <laughs> what a promo. It's, it, is, it is an incredible uh, trip to promo land by Cactus Jack yeah. here. Uh, nobody's finer. When And I was always fascinated to read uh, in Mick Foley's books when he talked about the aforementioned promo land. And how 
that was where he went to when he needed to talk. He went and found, and and I learned a lot from it as well. When you're talking about stuff, and you wanna you wanna get the feelings from there, you dig into part of you that makes you feel a certain emotion, and you tap into that. And he was always great at that. And this, you feel like he really taps into uh, that part of his emotion. And it, we have to kind of address it at this point in time. This Sunday coming in this timeline in the year of our Lord 2000, this was going to be mankind wrapping up. And at this point, I, from what I remember from his book, and I hopefully I'm remembering correctly, at this point, he was under the impression that this was going to be his last match. So he, everything he said at this point, he meant it, and because he was gonna, he was gonna knock it on the head after Sunday. And drift into maybe like a non-wrestling role, but certainly wrap up being a full-time wrestler. And yeah, it kind of didn't end up happening the way that I... I don't think he went out the way he wanted to go out. Um, But we'll talk on that as we get a little bit closer to it. But this at this point was meant to be his final stand, really. It was. And the only thing better than Foley's promo is Stephanie McMahon coming out. And oh my God, is she on form here? Mm -hmm. She goes... Oh, you had a dream, did you, Foley? I also had a dream. But that dream was shattered when Catless Jack broke her brand new bus. <laughs> you did five grand's worth of damage, but you'll pay for that bus at No Way Out. Oh, and by the way, I have a warrant for your arrest. And here come the po-po. Catless Jack is handcuffed and led away, and Triple H comes out to gloat because he's such a gloater. Backstage, Catless Jack is giving the police some stick. You let robbers go free by being put in a cage for vandalising a bus. I, I can't tell if that line was supposed to be ironic or not. Um, I think it was meant it to still be. still illegal. I, I, okay. <laughs> I want to see sarcastic characters. Coachman breaks up this segment to let us know that Kane is still hurt, but that mask helped him. Well, thanks, Coach. <laughs> Cheers, pal. Thanks for coming, Coach. Nice to see you. Cheers, mate. Hair. Yeah, thanks. Triple H gets the keys from the police. Uh, and they just go, here you go, Triple H, and leave him. And Stephanie teases Mick Foley with pizza. And Triple H goes to poke him with a stick. Hopefully this leads to something, because they picked up that in-ring promo, and this is just getting a bit silly. So so but they um, they paid off the cops. That's what we'll we come to that in a minute. Don't worry. Pardon? It's, it, all makes, it all makes sense in the end, oh, blah, okay. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but never mind that, because there's a, actually... God, there's a lot of stuff on these shows. It's a busy show, isn't it? So much. Yeah. Billy Gunn is here to wrestle Bubba Ray Dudley in a match that will become important. We'll get to that. Devon interferes repeatedly, but Billy sees him off to absolutely no reaction. Bubba counters a famous set into a powerbomb in a cool bit, considering how big Billy is. Devon interferes some more. So Billy launches himself over the ring steps after taking an Irish whip, shades of the great McFoley, who's just retired. Uh, Dudley's get the table ready. The Road Dog makes a save. And bloody hell, Bubba Ray is on the table, Ben Hour. Mr. Ass somehow jumps 10 foot in the friggin' air to land the famous through the table. It's an insanely athletic spot, but suddenly it's this spot that causes him to tear his rotator cuff, and he's in clear pain as he's helped out the ring by Road Dog. And it's this moment that will result in... Oh, what the hell? We'll spoil it for people. Show sure you know about that. The, the era of the New Age Outlaws holding the tag titles... And that period of the SmackDown tag team wackiness is over. I'll be replaced by those three up-and-coming guys that we enjoy so much. So do we think that this phenomenal famous, sir, 
and it was visually impressive to see the height of the greatest pure athlete like he <laughs> in full form billy gunn in flight here was it this action that led to the triple threat of the the, the changing of the guard and the tag team division were the dudleys not going to win anyway I don't know. I listened to Jim Ross's podcast with Comrade about No Way Out 2000, and he says, next to bugger all about important things like this. So I literally don't know. But it happened. And like the butterfly effect, that results in this. Just another reason why this period is so effing good. So good. So good. Never mind that, because backstage, or wherever the hell we're at, Trevace reveals that this isn't actually a real police station and tears down the wall like Gorbachev, <laughs> and it turns out that the DX Express is chained to the cage that McFoley is in. And I've typed in, ooh, the suspense. Here's the main event. <laughs> this is basically, this was like the moment, I think they were trying to go for the moment where, um, future, it, it's, they were going for a moment like where Thanos reveals that he's already destroyed the Collector. Spoiler. He's already destroyed the collector's place, and he uh, and he suddenly reveals that everything's on fire around him, like the whole subterfuge. I think that it that's what it was meant to be. Instead, it looked a bit like where the the front of the house falls over in The Simpsons. <laughs> Please don't tell people how I live. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, here's the main event. As this is as carry on wrestling happens around us. We've got like four, five minutes left on the show, so we need to hurry up and see if McFoley's dead or not. <laughs> Uh, fast tag team action, including The Rock punching The Big Show in the dick. Kurt Angle trying for something on Jericho, but The Rock runs in to clothesline him and mouth off at Big Show as The Rock is absolutely bringing the intensity in this feud that Big Show is just not able to emote right now. The Rock tries the people's elbow, but The Show runs in. However, he runs right into a missile dropkick from Jericho. Big Show chokeslammed him, so China chair shot Show. Show goes to chokeslam China, but Rock makes a save, turning heel in the process. Ha ha ha. And then Jericho locks in the walls on Big Show, which is very impressive. The winners are Angle and Show, but no one cares because everyone's just brawling, brawling, brawling. Jericho locks in the walls on Angle. And then The Rock and Big Show brawl backstage. And Big Show throws The Rock through a glass window. And the camera goes through the window to see The Rock laying there in glass. And it pans up. It's right next to where Triple H and Steph are. And Triple H gives him a big thumbs up. <laughs> That's a good moment. It's a very good moment. And then Triple H gets in the DX Express. And they promise to drive Foley all the way to no way out. And so Mick Foley's making noises. And you're going, God, he'll, they'll, they'll kill him like this, won't they? It turns out actually after the initial fall, it doesn't look that bad as the cages kind of drag around the floor and the Express leaves the arena and smack down to definitely leave this a bit of a flat ending after the amazing promo. But I think that it's doing this to pad out the video package we're going to get at No Way Out 2000 and forget about this... Uh, you know, this feud being built around getting poked in a stick and being denied pizza. It's pretty much you. You, you beautifully summed up the last sort of ten minutes of SmackDown in in a hundred seconds there, which I thought was very impressive. Um, the the thing with the Big Show, which I want to talk on because obviously Big Show was in this in this main event, and he on a couple of occasions is on the receiving end of Chris Jericho. They he puts him in a in a lion tamer in the walls of Jericho near the end of this match as well. And this is what the point I was gonna make about the big show earlier on and it was something that JR brought up 
on Grilling JR, a recent episode of Grilling JR, where he said that the biggest mistake that the WWF made with Paul White was over overexposing him and putting him on TV every single week. This is a seven foot man who can move well and has so much charisma, so charismatic. The trick is to use him sparingly. Use him as a special attraction a la an Andre the Giant, but with so much more to offer. Like he's a guy that you can put on TV shows and talk shows and and do all of that stuff. But instead, he is on week after week after week and he is being made to look like an absolute dunce more often than not. Like just comes across so badly on so many occasions and i feel like i i should as a wrestling fan look at the big show and go wow what a monster how on earth is the rock going to survive beating a beating from this monster there is no way the big show at this point should be sort of the the semi boss ahead of WrestleMania with Triple H being the final boss. I mean, arguably, Big Show should be the final boss anyway. He should just be that champion that just holds the belt for years that nobody can touch. But at the very least, he's the semi-boss. And I should be thinking, oh, Rock's got a really got a fight on his hands this this Sunday. No, I think Rock's going to batter him. And that's bad. I, don't th- I, I shouldn't have to feel like The Rock is about to decimate The Big Show. But that's how I feel. I'm far more invested in The Rock as a character than The Big Show as a monster. And that was the big failing that WWF had with The Big Show. They were so excited to get their hands on this charismatic seven-footer that they just wanted to use him all the time. And they burned him out. And then we and we like think about this. Lest right, this big show we're seeing now. My rant's nearly done. This big show we're <laughs> seeing now, less than a year, less than a year since he debuted, less than, and he's already done so much nothing, and he's been so watered down, and so browbeaten to the point where. He he might you might as well do Rock Bulldog again. You might as well do Rock <laughs> Gangrel. You might as well do Rock Val Venus. There is nothing that feels special about the Big Show. I just see this seven footer, and I don't think, "Wow, what a monster!" The Rock's gonna die. I think, "What a whiny little bitch." who just cries because the fans don't like him and cries because he doesn't get anything he wants. That's ruined the big show at this point. And they have, they'll have to do something major to repair him. Spoiler. They, they only crack how to use the big show probably in 2018. <laughs> so we're not quite there yet. Yeah. now. They- <laughs> I remember still liking him, but you're right. There wasn't much of a plan. However, like I said, I love that I'm defending WWE and all this. It's so what? what It's good. That's what we need in this podcast. It needs to be uh, one opinion and another opinion. And if you have an alternate, a differing opinion, you should absolutely air it. But what have I become? I'm defending WWE. Next, I'll be getting sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. It's (gasps) mate. I'd be so jealous if you did. 
I want to be sponsored. I have to like take down every mirror in my house because I couldn't look at me so. <laughs> I'll have them anyway, all. Anyway, I'll say, I'll give you my mirrors. Yes. Please. After all that sending, this is such a crazy period for WWF because they had a lot of issues going into '99, like the ending '99, I should say. Undertaker leaving, Bulldog being um, not quite the hill of beans <laughs> that they were promised, and uh, I like how Bulldog. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Austin. <laughs> I love how I love Bulldog Bulldog before is Austin. considered one of the WWE's top problems. Oh, see. Yeah, you know, the big stars. In, in order of importance. <laughs> in order of importance, Tom. The Undertaker, British Bulldog, and uh, Austin. <laughs> it's like, oh, Undertaker's gone. Bulldog, not quite what we thought he was. Oh, we just, we can't be asked to get behind Test. Um, what are the problems? Oh, yeah. The biggest draw in wrestling history, being <laughs> injured. Being fat and talking with deer. <laughs> anyway, so the fact that they're able to do all this, mess up the Big Show's title reign, and work what they with what they had, and still get into the hottest period in terms of uh, the quality of the TV show that they... I'd, I'd go as far as to say that they'd ever have. Uh, is amazing. So well done them. And Big Show would recover. If you don't believe me, just you wait till backlash. <laughs> but that's a long time to go and we've talked a lot mostly about not wrestling, but there's been a bit of Smackdown in this as well. But don't worry because this is just the appetizer. A mooj-boosh, if you will, for next week's No Way Out 2000 Let's Play. <laughs> it let's is play. basically along. Let's Play, isn't it? It oh, is yeah. a Let's Play. <laughs> Let's play. We're gonna play Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> uh, I can't yes. wait because I had such a blast doing SummerSlam '94 a few weeks ago. So, well, yeah. So we'll let people in on the thing now. So, um, on the Cultaholic Classic Raw review, um, we came to SummerSlam '94 recently. So Justin Henry and myself invited Matthew Gregg to cross the boundary and join us in 1994. So it is only fair that we return the favor so next week's episode will be a cultaholic classic watch along of no way out 2000 uh, myself matthew greg and from the cultaholic classic raw review the head pen of cultaholic doesn't need a pencil he gets it right every time the bear in the big blue bar cage justin henry from off of america will be joining us on the cultaholic classic smackdown review and i for one i'm excited to welcome Justin. i think this might be the first time justin has been on the smackdown review am i right i might be right i'm not sure we'll find out together I'm sure by hope now you you've told me. Hope you're not looking at me, Tonks. I don't know either. <laughs> either way, it'll be uh, Matthew Gregg, Justin Henry, and myself uh, doing a Cultaholic Classic watch-along of No Way Out 2000. Same time next week as you would normally download the podcast. It's just instead of talking about the show, we're actually going to watch it with you. It's dead easy to do. You'll have a lovely time. Or else. Or else. <laughs> But this has been me, Matthew. Well, before we go... Oh, okay. Uh, we need to do our thing, which is, what did you remember from this past week's episode of SmackDown? So oh, let's, we, we look go back, because obviously Matthew and myself both lived through these once already. So what did you remember from this episode of SmackDown? I remember you. <laughs> You're the one. Okay. 
I know there's something. <laughs> oh, of course. I had to pick between the two rock moments. It has to be the rock's showstopper. <laughs> Let's see it one more time. <laughs> I mean, I'm still. I'm. I'll, I was howling when I was rewatching this just to refresh my memory. Go. Oh yeah, he did do that. <laughs> I remembered the the Cactus Jack promo and how brilliant it was and how how concise and how precise it was, how eloquent it was, how emotional it was. It was a wonderful trip to promo land. Uh, that. Well, we'll talk about it another time. But I loved it. It was brilliant. Great promo by Cactus Jack slash Mick Foley heading into Sunday. What did you forget from this episode, Matthew? The DX 2000 theme. Yeah. Somewhere between... I mean, they must have gone, hang on, we've been using the same theme since 98 now. We're going to have to update it. But... Ugh. <laughs> See if I can find it. Like, DX theme 2000. It sounded like you sang it then. Uh, <laughs> Degeneration X Yeah, it was oh, a... I found it. Yeah, oh. it's it's on Uncaged Four and it's called Are You Ready? But it misses it misses out the intro when they used it live, which is already uncomfortable. But yeah, just you just you wait until you hear that Yeah Woo <laughs> But this is just uh it's it is uh only for a short while. There is another piece of music in the pipeline, which we'll talk about another time. So that's what the King think. of Rock one. The <laughs> King of Rock one. I'm gonna have to listen to this after the podcast. He's I a, love that he's song. He's already there. He's already there. Uh, for me, I forgot. Um, did I do my own remember? Yes, I did. Catch it. I tell you, I forgot the the flipping Billy Gunn famouser onto Bubba Ray oh. that basically moved him into another stratosphere. Like the, basically, pull his gravitational pull changed for the sake of hitting a famous <laughs> on Bubba Ray Dudley. A move that was so intense that it took him out of action and changed his gimmick. Like that's how strong this move was. Yeah, Billy Gunn appearing in Super Mario Galaxy, jumping <laughs> ten foot in the friggin' air to hit this move. I mean, and bloody hell! Well done, thanks, Billy. But you know. And it's also the last time that we'll hear "I'm an Ass Man" for quite some time. When he comes back, he has slightly different music. Oh, that's right. He does. He has that awesome theme which goes, I gotta come to your rings because I'm so high that even you and I, Kelly, <laughs> believe I can fly. Stop it I there. Lawyers there. will be on the phone. Stop it. So until next okay, time, st- when, when we are watching along No Way Out 2000, he is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Tagaha! We are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Give us another blast of the Run DMC music, Math. Go on. The king of rock, who? That be my hobby, your job. And when I come and bring the ruckus, suckers, stuck in the dodge. The king of rock, what? That be my hobby, your job. And when I come and bring the ruckus, suckers, stuck in the dodge. Love you, bud. God, it's a lot easier to say it in my head when I read the lyrics in front of me. I'm like, bloody hell, how do you say that? <laughs> suckers, duck, and then dodge. Suckers, duck, and then dodge. Love you, bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 